advice I can give out there right now, all of us are struggling of how can I reach X number of people? How can I achieve this impact? Mm. Climate change, the CO2, there's a really big SDG scale, which is quite scary. You feel like you're lost, you're insignificant in this process, and, and that's okay. But um, what if you come just down to your, to your home, to your school, to your neighbor, and yourself? How many people can I reach in my, in my neighbors? Can I reach two or three people, 10 people, 10 households? Can I change? Can I really have like a clear impact on these people? Even if it's one or schools, is, is it like a clear measurable impact? Then you, 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 are, you, are, you are really doing great because right now, most of us have this burden of saying, oh, how can I reach a thousand, a million people, a thousand customers? Then we forget the basics. We, we forgot the basics and the, and the basics can remind you can go back to your first client or your first encounter or you can ask yourself why did I begin this business uh, so hi everyone thanks again for joining the Towards Within Us uh, podcast and continuing our series we now our seat um, participant from the builders of Africa's future um, uh, within the African Diaspora Network um, organization and I've just had an amazing time interviewing all these great entrepreneurs who are making a difference on the African continent. And um, I'm here with uh, Justin. Um, and Justin uh, um, Abuga is uh, you know, leading this amazing organization called Ekobara, uh, which we're going to talk about um, in a few seconds. And uh, he's based in Kenya um, and, and just released profile. Um, he's such an amazing uh, entrepreneur that I'll let him explain it, uh, just talk a little bit about himself and the company that he's founded. But, you know, just for everyone who has been watching the past uh, five episodes of Builders of Africa's Future, we thank you. We, we appreciate the fact that you want to learn more about these amazing entrepreneurs. And today's also um, an additional profile. Um, I just get to know the person behind Ecobara and, you know, someone who is making a difference on the African continent. So, uh, Justin, thank you so much for being here, and thank you for for making time on the pod. I know you're a very busy entrepreneur, so I really appreciate the fact that you made some time today. So, thank you so much, and welcome on the pod. Um, thank you very much, Jacob, for hosting me. Um, oh. Yep, uh, my name is Justin Abuga, as you mentioned, Jacob. Um, I'm based in Kenya. Uh, for me, uh, I'm running um, my company. It's called Likobora. What we do, uh, we are on the green energy space, and we began uh, by providing a clean cooking solutions uh, six years ago, targeting households in Kenya because of the gap we saw uh, in that space in terms of um, accessibility of both the uh, clean cooking technologies and also affordability of these technologies by these uh, very consumers. Yes. Yeah, and that's how we began our, our business. And later, and 2017, uh, come 2018, which is, uh, we pivoted off our model uh, to begin targeting schools, like institutional cooking, because at the very time we discovered like uh, uh, players like schools um, are using firewood uh, to provide food for the students. And this scenario, uh, students are required to either pay additional tuition fees or uh, bring firewood to school. For us, that was like a turning point. So that's how we began asking ourselves, uh, why don't we have innovations uh, targeting uh, players like schools? So that's the biggest question we asked ourselves. And we began thinking around that subject. We discovered like 
of course, being dynamic, being a sort of like a large scale of cooking facilities, there's less innovations and there's less solutions for such kind of players. And that's how we began offering what we call a solar cooking boilers. Mm. Yeah, so basically that's what we do. Uh, uh, we are a team of, of seven people are based in Kenya at the moment. And um, our plan is to grow uh, also out of Western Africa uh, to tap into the sub-Saharan African market. Okay. Um, no, thanks for going straight into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like, when, when I went straight into it. And I think that that is, I think that's a very good market. And, you know, it's a place where um, there's a lot of potential is there. Uh, just taking a step back, what, how do you see, um, um, you know, you, you, you want to find opportunity and, you know, you have capitalized on that uh, from a social impact perspective and also from an environmental perspective, right? Solar, power, uh, solar powered. Um, but prior to that, Justin, can you just please uh, share with us? Um, I will get back into this amazing stuff uh, you're doing. Uh, just, you know, how, where did Justin grow up uh, in, in Kenya? How was the experience like? If you can just share with us, you know, who your parents were and all other people that were nice enough to support you. Um, so, um, when, when in Kenya, Robin, and how was it like? Yeah, um, I grew up in, um, in the western part of Kenya, like that's like a three, 300 miles from, from the capital, a place called Nyamira. Mm, that's mm. where I grew up and I schooled. Mm. Uh, yeah, so my parents, all of my parents were teachers, so we kind of, I kind of grew in a place where there were systems and processes in place, you know what I mean? Discipline, yeah. you know? And um, so as a person for me growing up, I was really curious about sciences, mm-hmm. interested about sciences. And surprisingly, I wanted to become a doctor when I grew up. And so I went to my high school and then after finishing high school, um, I missed one point to uh, go and practice uh, or to go to um, uh, medical schools. Because normally there's a way of being graded yeah. for public for public students, you know what I mean? So by you being paid by the government to study. Yep. I missed the one point, so I could not study medicine. Mm. Rather, I chose to, to study um, what we call microbiology and biotechnology. It's like a, like a, it's like a section of um, medicine, not, in, not, not entirely, but um, uh, focusing on sciences, um, something like vi- viruses, about, bacteria and um, creating vaccines and medicines for such like. So that's, it's like a smaller arm from what I want to do. Then um, while in college, uh, I was quite active. I was playing a lot of basketball and um, volunteering at, at um, charity events. But in, in my second year with my friends and classmates, we began a charity foundation, mm-hmm. yeah, which was called Hands for Change Foundation. Wow. So basically, it was a way of us trying to find what to do during the weekend because we had long weekends in college. So we could really marshal up our resources with friends and classmates and we could do charity over the weekends and every month. Well, as we, were, as we kept on doing this, um, we discovered like in every charity we went to, um, we could meet with other groups, charity groups, right? But in each of, each of these groups could bring the same thing like food, clothing, you know, sanitary, um, staffs, and this was common each, uh, on books, maybe. This was common in every home you go or every weekend. I remember one time we were visiting this home in um, Nairobi, it's in a slum in Nairobi called Dandora. So during the March, March, April, that's when that the rainy seasons in Kenya. Okay. So it was raining, rain actually, and we, we, were, we, we brought food. 
And surprisingly, they had, they had received food on previous day from another donation. Mm. So the problem was this group could not cook because it was raining, there's no firewood, there's food, they can't cook for themselves. So for, for our West ourselves, why doesn't anybody donate like grass or firewood or, or charcoal? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why is it not anybody doing such donations? And that's how now we begin asking ourselves, can we begin donating charcoal to these homes? Because it seems everybody's donating clothes. Exactly. And so that was like the big beginning of the turning point in terms of the conversations. Yep. And um, yeah, so we, we the next month in the next um, event, uh, we found out like no one is willing to come and carry charcoal in the city. Mm. Remember, we were students by then. So no one showed up in the charity event in shots except the leaders. So the things never went the way we expected. Then, then for me, that was a ch- changing point. So, I went online in the, in the, in the, in the college called library trying to research that we have cleaner, cleaner fuels because maybe charcoal is dirty for our group to carry around the city. So we began looking for a clean cooking energy for these students, for these, I mean, children's homes. So that's how we, we began, um, um, I began the interest in green energy. Okay. So later, I have understanding of briquettes, the local food, like the Ugali, that's our local delicacy. And so, um, so that, because of that disappointment, uh, yeah. because of that disappointment, yeah. um, we had to, um, as a person, I had to begin to search, okay, do we have, why don't we have a clean efficient fuel as mentioned in these uh, articles or websites? So that's how I began um, getting into these uh, uh, pellet and briquette making uh, initially. And then we moved from homes towards selling to communities uh, away from Nairobi, uh, who were also having a challenge in terms of accessing and uh, clean cooking. So that's actually how we began. Until now, we moved towards uh, the solar cooking uh, hostels. That's amazing. I'll just go back to uh, you. So, what city did you grow up in? The Amero? Yeah, uh, maybe I'll text you. I grew up in Yamira. Yamira, that's like the western part of Kenya. Okay. Yamira. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, just want to get that clear. Um, uh, that's amazing. And thanks for getting so back into Kilbara. So, it sounded like you were an entrepreneur uh, from, from school, right? You founded you know, um, just with your, with your free time, you decide to do something, right? Kind of provide, uh, you build a project, right? To figure out ways to make, um, um, providing opportunities for others. And this led to Ecobara just by observation and learning. Um, so it, it sounded like um, you had the entrepreneurial mindset, you had to be able to go out there, try and fail, right? Um, how was it like, uh, and you mentioned a little bit, you know, so one, once it failed, you know, you, you had this failure in, in some way, like how was, what was it, what helped you to really get over the hump and say, okay, this is, I need to make sure that whatever I'm doing is aligned with the people's needs or something that we can offer. But I think that's the struggle that some entrepreneurs face, especially in a climate like Kenya, for example, where if something collapses or you see a nonprofit model doesn't work, uh, there is disinterest or people just lose hope. Um, but how do you, how are you able to get to a point now that you're based, you know, with the African Diaspora Network and you're building, uh, you're continuing with company? Yeah, yeah, very interesting question. Uh, and honestly, that's like something we are still trying to figure out because uh, customers' needs are always changing. 
Yes. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, for us, what we've been doing in our, in our business is trying to understand our customer as much as possible. Although, as I mentioned, their, their needs, their aspirations keep on, you know, shifting each and every time. But I think what we've been able to try and bridge that gap by trying to ensure, like, in every product we're trying to introduce, in every um, marketing models we're trying to pursue, we're trying to ensure like we have these customers um, at the heart of those models, at the heart of those innovations. Okay. So we try really to have a close relationship with these customers. So it's no longer a transaction, if you may. Like it's no longer about product and money. It's more of how can we work together to build up this product for you? How can we improve it? Do you want it? What else do you want to include? What can we take off? So I think it's trying to really trying to build that a rapport with the customer beyond our sell. And because this will help, help you, or this is really helping us in this scenario to understand the customer's likes and dislikes of this product, to understand the customer's uh, change in terms of technology and culture, or such kind of a, a, a green movements, because they can really affect our people's thoughts. Yeah. So we trying to be like a customer-centric um, organization, by that I mean, uh, for example, when we go to these schools, uh, of course, people in these villages, they, know, they don't have the technical expertise to install and maintain our stores, right? But what we do, we try to train them, give them basic trainings, yep. youths and women in these communities to help us with installations. And then after, after an installation, we, we hire two people, like one male and one female, from these communities to help us with just basic maintenance of this system in this school. So, but we ensuring we're transferring knowledge to these local communities is a fast way of ensuring we work with this community because it's through such kind of uh, uh, simple acts of uh, involving the communities, you're able to like create a rapport and through that you're able to learn and able to, to give you feedback because I think you being able to collect feedback is the most um, important thing you can ever do as, as a business. The moment you collect more feedback and correct feedback and timely feedback helps you to make a decision. So for me, I think uh, that's one, one well, that has been one of the best way to try and break that gap. And the last way is trying to test and fail. You're testing faster. So for example, in manufacturing, like in the energy space, and it takes time to you know, have a product, manufacture, test it, you know what I mean? Uh, Certified. So instead of you being in the lab, waiting for X number of years to have a product, have a machine, raise capital, test it. Uh, certified before going to a consumer, why can't you try to, to, we try to run what we call pilots. Then before we are certified, we say, hey, this is just a pilot. We don't sell this. Uh, we're just trying to select few selected customers for a pilot test. So this allows us to go to customer because it's not a selling. So through you running small pilots and testing the product, you're able now to learn by seeing, by experience, experience or learn, experiential learning from this customer. So I think by having solutions which can be tested faster mm-hmm. and modified faster also can give you a leverage uh, to be able to understand and bring something forth uh, for the consumers. Because that, that informs you the price points. That makes you learn about distribution. That makes you learn about licensing of your products. And that even makes you understand you are a partners or stakeholders in what you're trying to go into. So because you can figure that out. So the better, the, the faster you come out trying to test even if you don't have a product, it can be just even a picture. 
when a question, hey, I think I have this idea. You think you can buy this? How much can you buy this? So why can you buy this? You know what I mean? So by just having a smart way to test things out there, we really um, bridge that gap. And that's how we're trying to keep on um, finding opportunities in our business, uh, Jacob. That, that, that's incredible. I, I think, you know, one thing that I think for our listeners and also something that's really good as a, uh, just as a, as a um, point of reference, even in life, it's like just having a conversation can help you understand what people need or want. You know, mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship is a very interesting way to understand people because, you know, you want to sell something to them. Mm-hmm. I really love your approach because um, we make assumptions a lot, you know, especially Africans in diaspora. <laughs> You know, we say this is what people need. We say lack of food, lack of water, and yeah. we make all these assumptions of what people need. And I think what you your approach and how you reach out to your customers is very, very important because we tend to give them the opportunity to explain why this is a problem, what they have been currently doing to survive or to thrive. You know, sometimes they do well, but how can you come in with your product to kind of enhance their life or make their life a lot lot more better at a very affordable price, right? And I think that's a very good case study for a lot of entrepreneurs and listeners like me to learn about how you did that. Um, so thanks so much for sharing that. I think that's a very good example of how we should learn to work with the community members. Just so to add to that, um, who, has, who has been the people that, do you have co-founders? Uh, I had to have done some a little bit of research on this. Uh, do you have co-founders at the back end or mentors that help you kind of along the ride? I know entrepreneurship is very lonely and it can be very stressful too. So do you have like people around you that keeps you sharp? You know, you look sharp there. You look you look like you're you're um you're having the support that is needed to get the energy that you have to thrive. So any uh, co-founders, mentors that help build yes, yes, yes Part of the process, I think we have been lucky in terms of our business and have, have one co-founder. Um, he's called Brahman. Um, uh, he's an engineer. So that's, again, I'm not an engineer myself. My co-founder is an engineer. So that's, again, part of, part of creating a company. You try to try as a founder to try and get the best uh, skill set match, which I know is a problem also. So I think having a co-founder who is an engineer, because as you know, as I mentioned, our product is more of an engineer side of it. Yeah. yeah, and for my side, my skill set is uh, business development, mm-hmm. plus from the founding perspective, so that's, that's the uh, skill sets we have. But we also have a team of seven people, permanent people, who are trying to help us in terms of running the business. Yeah, but in terms of me as a person, yeah, I've been lucky to have mentors and, um, and programs, which have really been helping me in terms of uh, understand business, understand collaborations, and shape sort of uh, my entrepreneurial journey. And yeah, I've been having a mentors. I've been having three months so far. Three mentors have been so far in life. And these mentors, I've been getting them from programs. Amazing. Like, uh, like recently, like last, last month, I just finished one program, one amazing program. Uh, it's called um, the Vesta Vela Foundation Program, the Young Founders Program. Uh, we just had, a, uh, we just finished a, what, an annual gathering in Berlin. So it's just an event whereby we have like six intensive months of online learning through experts and mentors and a rigorous screening of entrepreneurs and the screened. Um, and then they are, you're able to be given a mentor to match your skill sets and your gaps in your, in your business. Then you're able to uh, 
set milestone try to achieve those milestones those six uh, six months and i think i think for me the, the biggest um the biggest uh, platform has been uh for example these um uh, 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 uh programs which are normally trying to tailor uh, needs uh to such people like uh, us so for me i've been able to leverage on these programs so honestly because i've been able to have personal relationship with these mentors you know the programs been able to try and uh, look for partnerships through the networks of these mentors. Uh, for example, when I was in Germany uh, for the program, I, through my mentor, I was able to you know, meet local players, meet local suppliers of, of solar panels, trying to find, can I find cheaper options uh, for my suppliers? So I think by using the, these programs and mentors as a gateway, I'm trying to also go to other ecosystems uh, not only looking for development and investment capital, but also uh, for supplies uh, and even talent, you know, like uh, international students who were looking for innovative companies like ourselves who want to also in time learn and offer some of their skills. So actually, I think for, for, for us as a company, that has been the biggest um, uh, leverage point we've been trying to use. And uh, I think that has been the biggest um, uh, factor for our, at least our growth at the moment. Also, this has opened us for an international space. Because, for example, if you go to a program, for example, in Germany, uh, you you meet the German ecosystem players, you get their contacts, then you keep on, you know, being their networks, keep on sharing, and then from through that you put meet somebody, an investor, collaborator, talent, you know. So that's how we've been able to leverage with mentorship and um, such entrepreneurship programs available for people like us, uh, Jacob. That's it. Thank you so much uh, for sharing. And it sounds like a great networker. Um, it's a great skill. <laughs> it's a great skill to have. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask about your your Germany experience. And um, do you speak German? Spreche or do Dutch? <laughs> no, the only thing I can tell you, Jacob, I can tell you is Guten Morgen, like meaning good morning. So, good morning. Guten Morgen, yeah, for good morning. So maybe I, maybe I should spend more, more time there, but uh, for my, my brief stay, uh, it was a really good experience because um, although you find like there's a lot of differences in terms of development from like German and Kenya, but you're able to learn the differences in terms of processes. Yes. You know, that's what I learned actually, which is so keen on, on, on German than in Kenya. People are really investing on processes, exactly. you know, it's, it's, it's all about the hand. It's all about how do we get to the hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was the first big learning. And the other learning is I, I discover like most entrepreneurs, like for example, the ecosystem in Europe and German, people are investing in research and development a lot, a lot in time and money, which goes to the research and development. Then, uh, then for example, in my ecosystem in Kenya, we don't have such incentives to invest in research and development. That's why you find like nine out of, out of 10 startups are dying in the first year, like in Kenya, although we are the biggest, um, ecosystem bring out innovations, but nine out of ten of us don't see our third birthday in terms of our businesses because we we don't have incentives and platforms to earlier on to really um, invest in research and development of our ideas and our businesses, which can see us through in the third, fourth, fifth year. Okay. I think that that's what I learned. Like we can we we should try and um, keep on not only in the early phase of the business business, but also as we grow, try to. Uh, invest in uh, R&D, in the research and development of the business, because this is really like the engine of the car, because this really defines your innovation, your growth, your uh, 
this can also be dictated as your pivoting. Mm -hmm. This dictates your iteration as a product because it really informs you about the changes policy-wise, technology-wise, customer-wise. If yeah. you don't have such kind of engine checks, you can't take off double. <laughs> Exactly. And, and you know, it's, it's like, you know, research and development gives you, it, it takes a lot of money, it takes time, but you go deep, right? It's like you understand, it's not just a runway. It's like you figure out what happens at 30,000 feet, 33,000 feet, then even when you land it. But for us, we just want to take off. We don't care what happens. <laughs> and um, I understand, it's really problematic. Trust me, it's very hard doing this. But the way we're trying to do, like ourselves, two ways. Number one, Maybe you, you can try to uh, talk to local universities. That's what I'm trying to do. Like in Kenya, we have to start more energy. It's like a university in Nairobi. It has some energy section, solar energy. So we're trying to know what they do, attending the events. So through these events, we meet people, energy enthusiasts. So one way entrepreneurs could do maybe leveraging the local universities, check if there are events in these universities, check if there is there research events, is there research capabilities, you know? That's maybe could be a longing for and the other, the, the, other, the other second way maybe we should, somebody can do is um, trying to look for international students, international universities who are looking for research opportunities like master thesis. Our students maybe in Europe or America or Asia, he or she has an amazing idea uh, in some energy or medicine, whatever you feel you are. They don't have, they don't have a real um, business or a real customer to test or write them the master thesis. So by you finding international students, um, you you can allow them to come to your business, understand your business, and then from there they can find a problem, and then they can work. They can use your challenge in your business and do a master thesis of your problem or something about your business. Through that, you're able to get feedback from these two. So that's how you're able to. That's how we've been able to leverage on these longing fruits to support our R and D because we know it's expensive. Yeah, yeah, which is very smart. Um, for the time being, right? I think maybe mm -hmm. just now you guys have a school. That you're training people from across Africa, Asia, and America to come and do some of the work. Um, we're having some glitches over there. And the last uh, section, um, I'm going to be asking about some inspirational questions. And these questions are based on uh, just some lessons you've learned. Um, uh, I, 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 and just like, how do you see the future? You know, energy is a great uh, sector to 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 create the future um hmm. uh, and how and how do you see i mean beyond energy and as yourself you're, you're a leader too right and that's what that's one of the the um uh responsibilities that comes with building great companies especially in an ecosystem like uh, in kenya and africa as, as a continent um how do you see yourself as a leader um, um impacting the world uh, beyond energy but also the young kids and the young Africans that uh, are watching you. You know, people always watch you, you don't know. <laughs> Especially when you are, you know, that's just uh, your, your privacy becomes a little bit, uh, you know, uh, exposed. Mm -hmm. But just to start, uh, what has been a life lesson for someone? What has, has there anything that someone has told you that really um, changed the way you think of the world or how you have? Or just change your behavior. You're just like, you know what? From today, <laughs> I'll start doing things differently. Oh, an event or an experience that has really helped people um, pivot your your way of doing things. If you may, because I ask this question, and if I may, I think 
each and every person has like an awakening period that you know you just kind of realize and sometimes it takes years it's not like a one-time thing so uh, they should not be misconstrued on other times it's just a moment but it's always that born again phase that you're like what am i and it doesn't have to be very grandiose oh i am no but just like how can i be of impact in the world and of my society do you have any conversation with anybody or do you have a life experience that made you realize that i can make a change in the world i can be a i can add value positive value in the world for a long for a long time um and if you if you can if you may share that would be that would be really that would be really nice Yes, um, maybe I'll just maybe answer your first question, like the future in terms of what's the future for youth like myself in Africa. So I, I think um, in my side, it'll be uh, the future is um, the future is very promising for sure. And in my space, we I believe I totally believe that the future is going to be solar energy. Mm. Although solar in the past ticket, solar has taken off. You'd be surprised. People like in Africa are still under the same preconditions of energy poverty. There's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of energy poverty in Africa. And though we might be having electricity, we might be having all other these other sources, I think there's still room to really, really democratize solar energy. Because yeah. solar energy, as you know, energy is like the center of all the sectors. Energy is like the, it's like the center of all sectors. So I believe that there's a lot of opportunities in solar, in energy, um, from all sectors across. And I believe like we're really looking for a future where solar energy can be really affordable and efficient and versatile. Maybe in the future we might be wearing um, uh, summer jackets, which are solar so smart, smart solar smart jackets. Mm -hmm. So I think there's opportunities to leverage uh, on solar energy in a very smart way, which can be really uh, advanced the energy needs. So what I can encourage people out there who are interested in energy, there's a lot of opportunity in, in, in energy. And uh, I think solar seems to be like the, the next frontier from technologies around the solar cells innovation to the solar storage, because that was another gap we have. We are unable to store energy. So if in the near future, people can come up with innovations and how we can store solar energy. And that's really, and be groundbreaking uh, for the entire energy sphere. Uh, and then in terms of inspiration, I think um, two things. For me, I think I, I think I was lucky to find an inspiration earlier. As I mentioned, when we were doing these charity events, so those small steps were quite um, um, satisfying, do you mean? Uh, we felt fulfilled. In the small, in the small space, so I think for us, uh, or for me, we when we were doing these events, we were really doing these um, for fun and trying to change somebody to make a difference. So and and, and this really grew up, it became ad addictive and grew up. So I think the only advice I can give out there is right now, all of us are struggling of how can I reach X number of people, how can I achieve this impact. Climate change, the CO2, there's a really big SDG scale, which is quite scary. You feel like you're lost, you're insignificant in this process, and, and that's okay. But um, what if you come just down to your, to your home, to your school, to your neighbor, and yourself? 
how many people can I reach in my, in my neighbors? Can I reach two or three people, 10 people, 10 households? Gotcha. Can I change? Can I really have like a clear impact on these people? Even if it's one or schools, is, is it like a clear measurable impact? Then you, 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 are, you, are, you are really doing great because right now, most of us have this burden of saying, oh, how can I reach a thousand, a million people, a thousand customers? Then we forget the basics. We, we forgot the basics and the, and the basics can remind you, can go back to your first client, your first encounter, or you can ask yourself, why did I begin this business? Yeah. So it's very similar to ensure like my neighbor, my, 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 my community and my, my, my home can access energy. Are they doing that? If yes, okay. What are the changes happening to this home? Are they able to have a better, better experience in terms of cooking? Is there reduced emissions? Uh, are they at least having a better environment in terms of health because of reduced emissions? If, if you find your answers to be saying yes, this should be gratifying to yourself and confirming to you, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm making a change in my small space. So I think as much as it's good for us to have a bigger picture, big global picture, I think it's also good for us to begin from a micro focus, be myopic, like focus ourselves on the ground to allow us really see and create the impact. And after that, this allows us to connect with the impact. As much as you want to, you want to create this impact, you also need the connection. Because if you don't have this connection, you're unable to track this impact. You're unable to uh, grow and keep on scaling this impact in these communities. I think for me, I'll, I'll maybe really think it's, it's always good for all of us to also go back to where it all began. Even if you're, you're the biggest corporate there, or whatever stage you are in your business, or you want to begin your business, go back to your inner self and ask yourself, myself and Justin and Jacob, why do I do this? Why do I, why do I wake up each and every day morning to do this? Why is it important to me? And then, and then the last question you ask yourself, what do I want to see? What change do I want to see? This subject is important to me. And I think that keeps on uh, igniting your inner self, your inner fire. And that's, for me, has been my motivation. When you ask myself this question, it's like I try to connect deeper because, as you mentioned, there's a lot of challenges in running a business or entrepreneurship. It's a lonely journey. You mentioned that. But how do you keep on motivating yourself when there's no sales, when you have no capital, when you have no client, when you have no product, but you have this fire, when I do change? So I think by just doing self-reaffirming yourself, connecting yourself to your goal, uh, to, to the why. So, Long story short, if all of us can find our eyes, I think then we'll, we, we will we'll be having the necessary energy to make the changes required. So let's find our why. I feel like I attended like uh, Obama uh, <laughs> or something. <laughs> that, was really, that, was, that was incredible. Thank you so much. I think I 100% co-sign. Um, and, I would just have to say you have a balance of practicality and just the right track of optimism um, that, um, and I don't know whether it's your sector because your sector, you have to be very applicable and practical, um, but there's just this, this right balance, you know, and it's very, it's very clear uh, um, in, in just your thought process. And I think you have so much to offer to the world beyond the, uh, beyond building entrepreneurs. So, uh, I'm, uh, I can say I'm excited to meet you, and I think there's a lot that you you are going to achieve. Um, 
Okay. Maybe just someone is wondering how to get this balance. It's, it's time, time is involved. And I think the more you, like for myself, I think six years ago, I wasn't this much connected, much and enthusiastic. You know, I, I was just like curious and excited about, hey, I have an idea. But I think the more you enter the space, uh, and the more you keep on asking yourself, what's the mission? Because the why goes down the mission, the vision, who am I as a person, my values. So the moment you keep on asking yourself the why, each and every time, the more you try to connect, try to have that balance, Jacob. So it's, it's, pro, it's, it's time frame, and the more you keep doing it, the more it costs time. So don't feel like, hey, I don't know the why, I don't know the why, I'm just new. So you keep on doing it until you, you, you find yourself like you're really centered. And that also allows you to dictate how you run your business, you know, because the why really defines who you are as a person. This will depend on which kind of people you hire. What kind of cultures do you bring to the work? How do you treat your customers? It totally comes back to the white jacket. It's going to go on jacket. 100% I agree with you. I think this can be another episode. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so, so good. Um, Justin, thank you so much for making the time to be here. Um, I really uh, uh, love what you do. Uh, just love everything about your the thought process, how you think of all these big challenging questions, sometimes very daunting questions, sometimes life, life, uh, existential crisis questions. Um, but, you know, um, people like you make us feel a lot better that the world is going to be this hope. And, and I appreciate the fact that um, you can continue to do what you're doing. And I have to come visit just how amazing that place looks. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, free Nyama Choma. We have what you call Nyama Choma, the local delicacy. Yes. So please come. Lots of fun, Nairobi. Awesome. Lots of um, uh, network. There's a, there's a good um, entrepreneurship or startup uh, ecosystem in Nairobi, from hubs to fintech to anything. There's also a good space for also business-wise to just uh, get in touch and feel the community. So yeah, you're welcome. welcome. You mean you, me and uh, I and our listeners, we will pack our stuff and go to Nairobi. Yes, please. Nairobi is a good place to be in all opportunities, from touring to the beaches, the people, the food, and even the entrepreneurship ecosystem is really uh, uh, something really you might want to just see and connect, you know. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, thank you so much. And thanks for promoting Kenya. On the, on the... <laughs> no, thank you so much, Justin Aboga. Um, Continue to do what you're doing. And to all our listeners, it's Justin. Uh, it's also a bit of Africa's future uh, cohort member for 2022. And uh, as you guys can hear, um, just inspiring. You gave me this, this a dose of coffee. I don't need coffee anymore. You just gave me. <laughs> so thank I'm you. Happy, I'm happy I'm able to do that. And yeah, to anybody who's out there listening. And yeah, once you find your purpose, I think the rest things will just align. Awesome. So keep keep searching. As, as Steve Jobs said, keep searching. You'll know when you find it. So keep searching. Awesome. That's a great way to end the episode. Thanks again, Justin. Thank you so much, Jacob, for hosting me.